Hello and welcome to your Newsmax Daily for Wednesday, February 14th, 2024, Valentine's Day in the U.S. of A., and it's Ash Wednesday for Catholics and many Christian sects around the world, marking the start of Lent, of course, which is the 40-day period of prayer, repentance, and fasting leading up to the resurrection of Christ, also known as Easter Sunday. Evangelicals, by the way. Pentecostal Christians and Mormons do not observe Ash Wednesday, and I have not decided yet if I'm going to sacrifice ice cream or pizza for Lent. Those are usually my two go-tos because those are two things that I absolutely love. Valentine's Day, as you know, is always on February 14th, right? But the 14th obviously doesn't always fall on a Wednesday. Ash Wednesday isn't always the same day because Easter Sunday isn't always the same day. So today is somewhat of a rare, solemn, and celebratory day of both holidays. Topping the headlines. If at first you don't succeed, try and try again. The U.S. House, in a second attempt, has voted to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas over his handling of the disaster at the U.S.-Mexico border, making Mayorkas, who put the blame of the border on Congress, the first cabinet secretary impeached in nearly 150 years. March 2nd, 1876, then-War Secretary William Belknap was impeached in the Trader Post scandal. He was later acquitted in a Senate trial. Mayorkas will now face a trial in the Senate, where a two-thirds majority vote will be needed in the Democrat-controlled Senate to convict him and remove him from office. Not likely to happen. The House vote was 214 to 213. The same three Republicans who voted against it last week voted against the impeachment last night. Eric Bowling spoke about it with Texas Congressman Pat Fallon. Congressman, I really wanted to get you in uh, after the vote, 214-213. It's a win. You had three, three, these same three, these three jokers, Mike Gallagher, who is retiring from Congress, Tom McClintock from California, and Ken Buck. I, I'm just, I'm, uh, Colorado, I'm trying to figure out why they voted with the Democrats. Well, you know, I asked Ken, I asked Ken Buck, and um, actually I had a real long talk with Tom McClintock about it, and he said it just a principle. He didn't think that Mayorkas is um, really his his behavior and his activity and his his really failure to enforce federal law rose to a standard of impeachment. I obviously vociferately disagree because I was the first member of this Congress to file articles of impeachment on Alejandro Mayorkas, and I'm very glad to see Dr. Mark Green, the chair of Homeland Security. We got it done barely by the skin of our teeth, but the man has been impeached, and we made history the first time in eight uh, since 1876, and it's richly deserved in this case. All right, so just to be clear, if you're keeping receipts, as they say, Representatives Ken Buck of Colorado, Mike Gallagher of Wisconsin, and California's Tom McClintock are the three that opposed it last week and opposed it last night. There were also two Democrats, Judy Chu and Lois Frankel, who you probably thought I was going to say voted with Republicans, right? Because that's what I thought when I read it. No, (laughs) they did not vote. And two Republicans, Brian Mast and Maria Salazar, also did not vote. 
on a side note, let me just tell you about Lois Frankel, okay? She's a real piece of work. She's a very nice woman, but she used to be the mayor of West Palm Beach, Florida. I spoke to her back in the day when she was the mayor and I was doing local radio there. She's a nice woman. She used to be friends with Trump. She used to go to Mar-a-Lago for parties and events and things like that. Now, well, she was a Democrat then too, but now that she's a Democrat in Congress, boy, she can't stand Trump. Anyway, back to Congressman Pat Fallon, who was the first to file articles of impeachment against Mayorkas. This is a vote, as you point out, that should be we should be winning this by 100 votes. But the Democrats are in lockstep, putting their you know, collective heads in the woke sand, ignoring the fact that we went from think about this for a second here. We went in President Trump's administration first three years to about one point seven million illegal encounters to Joe Biden's same time frame, eight point five million. We went, President Trump, in FY 2017, there were 300,000 illegal encounters in the entire year. Joe Biden, last month in December, was 300,000. And it goes on and on like this. We had 450 Chinese nationals apprehended on the southern border under President Trump in a given year, his last year. Joe Biden, 24,000. Now, why is that? It's because there's been a willful and systemic refusal for Alejandro Mayorkas and Joe Biden to enforce current immigration law. Yeah, so Biden came out with a statement post uh, post vote, and he called it baseless. He called it unconstitutional, wow. and he said the GOP, you guys are playing petty games with 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 the border. You know what he's doing? He's risking millions of American lives. We don't know who these people are. Do you honestly think, Eric, that these Chinese nationals that are mostly military age men that are coming across the border, and by the way, there's been a spike in Russian nationals as well that there aren't some of them that are sleeper agents, and it could be a tiny fraction. It doesn't need to be a lot. It could be one-tenth of one percent. But in a free society, they can do incredible damage. This is insane. This is costing the country about $155 billion a year to host four nationals that are here illegally. They're not respecting the rules and laws of the country that they are in. So it's Joe Biden all day long. How about this? Tara Watt, Eric, one quick thing. Tara Watts list. Under President Trump the last couple of years, there were only three people each year that were apprehended that were on the terrorist watch list. Last year was 169. This is what I'm talking about. The border is wide open. Again, that's Texas Representative Pat Fallon on the balance with Eric Bowling last night. Eric mentioned President Biden calling the impeachment baseless, which is the same line used by his press secretary. Mayorkas actually helped uh, uh, helped with the negotiations on on the border uh, on the border security bipartisan deal. They waste they're wasting their they wasted their time. Uh, it is uh, shameful and it is baseless uh, what they what they're doing uh, with this uh, impeachment. Baseless is about as far from the truth as it could possibly be. Representative Fallon just gave you some of the facts. The facts. And again, I ask, where is the border czar in all of this? And the president is also pushing the House to vote on the Senate border bill. I urge Speaker Johnson to bring it to the floor immediately. Immediately. I want you to hear this from Florida Senator Marco Rubio speaking on the floor of the Senate. More facts that a lot of people don't know. One of the things I see a lot in South Florida are people that have been in this country that maybe came from Cuba 45 years ago. They've worked here their entire lives. They retire. They get $800, $900, $1,000 a month from Social Security. And then they run into somebody who just got here from Cuba three months ago, 29 years old, doesn't work, and is given $1,500 a month in benefits by our government because they're refugees. That refugee, a year later, is traveling back to Cuba 15 times. So you're a refugee fleeing oppression from a place that you now go back and visit 
15 times the following year. And in the meantime, we're giving you Medicaid, food stamps, uh, health care for your children, cash payments from the refugee fund. So imagine if you've been working here for 40 years and your Social Security check is smaller than the benefits going to a 28-year-old able-bodied person who just got here. That's real. That happens. That's happening every day. That makes no sense. That makes no sense. And that's one of the reasons that Rubio didn't support the aid package. Rubio is a member of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee and Committee on East Asia, Pacific, and International Cyber Security Policy. They don't know who these people are. Because I know enough about that part of the world to tell you, you can buy fake documents from over a dozen countries in the Western Hemisphere, where if you have enough money on you, you can go somewhere and get an official government document that says your name is Jose Alvarez or Raul Sanchez or whatever you want your name to be. And then you show up at the board and that's who we think you are. We have no idea who some of these people are. We have no idea if they have criminal records. You think the Venezuelan authorities are producing their criminal records and biometrics to us? You think the Cuban authorities are doing that? You think people coming from Africa, people coming from all over the world, that those places are actually providing that for us? The only thing we can tell you is, are you in our terrorist database? There are a lot of terrorists that are not in the database until they commit terror acts. And assuming they survive it, you get your hands on them. We have no idea who these people are. People say, well, but most of them are probably good people here at hard work. I'm sure. But that's not the point. The point is you let in three, four, five million people. Some percentage of them are going to be bad. Some percentage of them are going to be criminals. I don't care where they came from. You take a million people from anywhere in the world at any time, some percentage of that million are going to turn out to be bad people at some point and do harm. And you're already seeing it. We have a migrant crime wave going on in New York and in other major cities. They're not committing crimes because they're migrants. They're committing crimes because they're criminals. They were criminals in their own country. You think these people just got here the other day and learned how to pickpocket? You think that 15-year-old that fired at a police officer? I don't know if you heard this story. A 15-year-old went into shoplift, confronted by a security officer, pulls out a gun, tries to kill the police officer, a block away, fires the gun again. They arrest him. Another roving gang attacked a police officer, uh, two police officers at a train station. And that's just, the, those are the ones you've heard about. It's a crime wave. And it's going to get worse. Florida Senator Marco Rubio on the Senate floor. So Mayorkas is taking the fall now, but likely won't be impeached by the Democrat-controlled Senate. Vice President Kamala Harris, who was appointed the border czar and hasn't done anything about anything, and nobody, nobody is holding her or her boss accountable or responsible. The House Oversight Committee is, however, continuing its investigation into Biden's business dealings. And they heard more testimony yesterday from Hunter Biden's former business partner. We go to Rob Schmidt tonight. I personally met with Joe Biden in Los Angeles in May of 2017 multiple times to discuss the broad contours of our business dealings. Those are the words of Biden China business partner Tony Bobolinsky, and they are damning. Hunter's former business associate, who was the first to come forward with evidence and receipts of the Biden family's influence peddling scheme, gave testimony today 
that evidently was explosive in the House impeachment probe against Joe Biden. In his transcribed interview before members of both political parties, Bobolinsky stated the Chinese Communist Party, through its surrogate China Energy Company Limited, or CEFC, a CCP-linked Chinese energy conglomerate, successfully sought to infiltrate and compromise Joe Biden and the Obama-Biden White House. His family's foreign influence peddling operation from China to Ukraine and elsewhere sold out to foreign actors who were seeking to gain influence and access to Joe Biden and the United States government. This was a very big day. And House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer joins us tonight. Congressman, it's good to have you back on. Tell us, in your estimation, the most explosive things that we heard from Bobolinsky today, or you heard, I should say. Well, two things. First of all, he, he talked about his interaction with Joe. And remember, Joe has said he never met any of the Biden associates, and we've proven that he met with all of them. Uh, he met with Tony Bobolinsky, met with Joe on more than one occasion. And I think most explosive, he talked about what exactly CEFC was and what their objective was. And, Rob, their objective very simply was to initiate the Belt and Road Initiative in the United States. Everything that uh, Congress agrees on in a bipartisan manner with respect to China, uh, preventing China from owning farmland, uh, preventing China from buying manufacturing companies, from buying energy companies. This is what CEFC was doing. They were the the uh, investment arm of the Chinese Communist Party that was trying to infiltrate our American markets yes. and start taking over our markets. Yes. They had all this cash and they wanted to invest it in anything they could. And the Bidens were there to help them uh, remove barriers of entry to our markets. Uh, Bob Belinsky's testimony uh, alleges, I, I would say, treason. I, I would say that. I mean, if, if you are working on behalf of the Chinese Communist Party while you are as vice president of the United States. I don't know how else you would explain that. I, I don't know how else you, you would, you would, what would you phrase that yeah. as? Well, what we proved uh, with the transcribed interview with Rob Walker, where we released the transcripts today, there was a letter uh, from Hunter Biden to the Chinese uh, in 2015 20, uh, that showed that they were working on this deal while Joe Biden was vice president. Yeah. Tony Bobolinsky confirmed that today under oath. All of this negotiate, all of the negotiations with the Chinese happened during the Obama Biden administration. Right. That's another lie we've caught Joe Biden in. Right. He said nothing happened till after he was vice president. It all happened while he was vice president. Right. And it was it was toward the end of the term when he thought his political career was over. This is the time to cash out. And then, as we know, within weeks after he left the White House, the money started cycling through. Millions of dollars starts pouring in. Rob Schmidt, host of Rob Schmidt Tonight with Chairman James Comer. And Bianca De La Garza spoke with former Acting Attorney General Matthew Whitaker, who also wrote a book entitled Above the Law. You know, maybe the Bidens think they're above the law because this has been going on for years. What a moment today, Matthew. Tony Bobolinsky finally getting his day in front of Congress. His testimony could answer, as we know, a lot of questions with this impeachment inquiry. We just talked about the $5 million, but a face-to-face -face meeting with Joe Biden in 2017. Is this the one that sticks? I know that they've been, you know, getting a lot of testimony, but he seems to be one of the most, if not the most important figure in all of this. Yeah, he certainly is. Obviously, he knows a lot of the Biden's business dealings, especially uh, during the vice presidency and immediately thereafter. You know, he sat in this very important meeting in 2017 
on the sidelines of the Milken Conference in Los Angeles and met with uh, former Vice President at the time, Joe Biden, met with Jim Biden and Hunter Biden, and they talked about this very important deal uh, with China, with a, with a Chinese uh, energy company that has since gone bankrupt. Uh, that's where the whole 10% for the big guy held by Hunter. And so Tony obviously knows a lot of what's going on in this in this situation. And I think he can, can help connect the dots for the House Oversight and Judiciary Committees. Why do you think it's been suppressed for so long for what he's wanted to say? He's just wanted to come out and give his side to all of this. And it's been years, Matthew. Well, obviously, the Bidens have not cooperated with this House investigation. Uh, there has never been a forum for him to talk. The FBI seems uninterested in these transactions. And so uh, getting these documents from the Bidens and from the banks uh, that the Bidens did business with, trying to unravel all of these LLCs, you know, they had approximately 20 limited liability companies that shielded um, Joe Biden from these transactions, yet mm -hmm. funneled money, it appears, to him. In fact, Tony, Tony Bobulinski says that these complicated LLC schemes were, were purposefully for plausible deniability on behalf of Joe Biden. That's former acting attorney general Matthew Whitaker, who weighed in on the case developing against Fulton County, Georgia DA Fannie Willis as well. The judge, Scott McAfee, saying yesterday she may actually be disqualified altogether from Trump's case there because of the relationship, a conflict of interest, a major one uh, with Nathan Wade. And he says there's enough that he needs to assess the disqualification. There's a hearing on Thursday. What a role reversal. She will have to be the one testifying in front of this judge. How much of uh, a chance do you think it is that she gets booted from this case? And then where does it go? Yeah, I think there's a good chance she gets booted from the case. Remember, she's going to be under oath and subject to perjury. And so she's going to have to be uh, accurate with her recollections of the facts. And, and then that, that's going to possibly open up potential discovery where what she says could be uh, impeached. And so with all of this as a context, you're going to see uh, the prosecution uh, probably be very distracted with trying to defend their boss in this case. And remember, you know, the allegations are pretty inflammatory, and that is she paid her uh, love interest more money than he was worth, and they used that money uh, that was COVID funds, to some extent, from the federal government to go on lavish vacations and cruises and the like. And so, you know, she's going to have to actually say what the facts were and then be subject to, uh, if she lies, uh, some perjury. And then ultimately the judge could decide to take her off the case if there's too big of a conflict. It's going to be very closely watched. There are whistleblowers already who are going to come forward to testify that their relationship started a long time ago before she hired him, which is something she is taking notice with. And, of course, there's also the billable hours with the White House that Nathan Wade had. A whole layer to this. Uh, going to be an interesting week. Matthew Whitaker, pleasure to have you, sir, as always. That's Bianca De La Garza, host of Newsline at Noon with the former acting attorney general. The other big story that you're going to hear about all day today is the Republicans losing yet another election. Former New York Democrat Congressman Tom Sweezy won back his old seat in the House in yesterday's special election to fill the seat that was vacated by Republican George Santos, who was expelled from Congress back in December. Sweezy defeated Republican Mazzy Billup, who I talked about earlier in the week, in the special election, which is another blow to the Republicans' slim majority in the House. 
And there is another White House press briefing happening this afternoon, which should be a really good one based on the happenings of the past 24 hours, right? President Biden, again, has no scheduled events on the White House calendar, but had a lot to say yesterday, as I suspected, and I suspect we will hear more from him today, especially with the House refusing to take up the border bill. Last night, you may have seen tributes or memorials on the anniversary of the Michigan State University shooting that killed three students and wounded five others. Today, Valentine's Day, is the six-year anniversary of the Parkland School shooting here in Florida at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in South Florida. Danielle is a survivor of the shooting. It also is a reminder of what I overcame, and it it's a reminder that I did survive and I did leave that building alive. There are a lot of lives that were changed forever that day. A lot of people still struggling and grieving. People that will never, never have another Valentine's Day. Keep them and the Michigan State families in your prayers today. Thank you so much for stopping by the Newsmax Daily. I hope you enjoy it. I'm Tony Marino. Keep up with all the news all day long on Newsmax, Newsmax 2, Newsmax Plus, and at Newsmax.com. And keep on fighting the good fight. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere.